Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. I tell you what, it's been a different uh, six, seven, eight months, hasn't it? But I can't, I don't understand how to get this across. It sounds too simple. When you say I'm closer to God than I've ever been, doesn't that just sound too simple? Or, well, you're the pastor. We were sort of hoping for that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, um, God's doing some unique stuff in all of our lives, I believe, that's just drawing us closer. That's just drawing us closer. Is it always comfortable? <laughs> okay, let me, let me get into the Word. When I was in third grade, um, my, my dad was a pastor also for many, many years. But this is even before he took his first church. I was in third grade. We were living in Lake Wales, Florida. And uh, knew what the school, went in, and trying to make friends, but I just saw this line in the back of the class, so I just got in it. Really didn't know what it was all about, but when I got it up, it was, you were signing up for the safety patrol. They were have, getting volunteers for the safety patrol. And all I saw when I got there was that you got to wear an orange sash with a badge on it. I was in. Didn't know what I was supposed to do. All I knew is I was on patrol. I'm preaching about power today, so you'll, this will make sense in a second. On my second day, a safety patrol expert, in the third grade, they put me over the bike rack. Now, here's all that meant, um, without giving my age away. Nobody had locks on their bikes then, very few. So it was just a matter of making sure everybody put their bike in the slot, not just laying on the ground. But you know what power does to a third grader who's got a badge on? I was just sort of leaning against the wall, just waiting for somebody to make a mistake. I didn't know what I was going to do if they did, but I was just waiting for somebody to make a mistake, and if they rolled up too fast, excuse me, you need to slow it down. This is a bike parking zone. Not, not, we're not riding in here. We're parking. It, it, it's, it's, it's just funny. I, I even amused my, Even in third grade, I can remember vividly thinking, you think you're somebody. Because you could tell a fifth grader how to park his bike, and you were only in third grade. Now, they still didn't listen to you, but you could at least tell them. Now, here, here's my point. We're talking about power today. Do you understand the difference between being prepared for power and having power when you're unprepared? What does it look like to be prepared for power and be unprepared? And I I searched for a title for this message this morning, and I just kept praying through it over the last week or so. And I kept reading through the passage because, you know, again, Dr. Bucci just set set this up so powerfully last week. And as we go out of chapter 40 into 41, we, we know that Joseph was still in prison. The cupbearer had been released. The interpretation of his dream had been fulfilled. The baker's dead. 
the cupbearer is back in business, and he forgets Joseph. And, and, but what, what you're going to see in chapter 41 is this quick rise to power. Now, first of all, how many know that power never really happens quick? Nothing happens by accident. It's if you accidentally step into it. If you're not ready when that opportunity comes. Let me, let me just define power for a few minutes here. It's the ability to do something or act in a particular way, especially as a faculty or an ability or a skill or quality. It's the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events, a position. You have a position, and you can influence or you can direct. You have that power. You can have dominance, physical power over someone. You can have energy, electricity. And how many have ever not been careful with that and touched the wrong wire? Okay, there's power, and if you're not prepared, you'll feel it, right? So what am I saying? Uh, some other words that I want you to be able to, because I, I don't want this to confuse anyone this morning, because, you know, we, we have a tendency to think, well, I'm preparing for something great. I need you to understand that you're in a place where God wants to use you greatly. It's not waiting for something. It's, it's what are you waiting on? Because it's about authority, walking in authority. It is about control. It, it is about having the abilities and having the skills, having the influence, the strength that only God can give us. And God does his part, but guess what we must do? Our part. <clears throat> if anybody ever comes to you and there's something serious in your life, and they say, well, listen, I have no experience in that, but let's just pray that God... We just need a miracle. You know, if, if, I'm, if my car's broke down and somebody comes up and, and says, well, let's start taking this apart and work on it. Do you have any experience? No, but let, we're just going to pray and see what happens. No, you're not touching my car. <laughs> now, that may sound silly, but I promise you, there's a lot of people, we don't expect that out in the real world. If your doctor walks in and says, you know, I'm not really, I've never dealt with this before, but let's just pray first and then we're going to do surgery. No, I, I need, we're going to pray that we find another doctor who's prepared, right? But why do we do it in the spirit world? Why do we do it in the church? Well, John, I, I want it to be really of God, so if God wants me to do anything uh, in the church or as the body of Christ, it's, it's just got to be of him, and I don't want it to be of the flesh. God does his part when you do your part, okay? God does his part when you do your part. Now, and power comes quickly. Here's when power comes quickly. When, you, when you're doing your part and God's doing his part, and then there's an opportunity. That's when things happen quickly. Now, I hope that makes sense. Because as we go into this passage, I'm going to read out of Genesis 41 here in just a moment. <clears throat> Pharaoh, the Bible tells us, is having a dream, standing on the edge of the river, and he sees seven healthy, fat, the Bible says, cows walking out of the Nile. 
and they're grazing in the meadows, and they're eating, and, and it's, there's just abundance. But then in the same dream, he sees seven gaunt, skeletal cows coming out of the Nile, and they walk over to the seven fat cows and eat them. He wakes up. It's a weird dream. Goes back to sleep. And then he says he sees seven heads of grain, beautiful, fat heads of grain. Stalks are strong. And then seven withered stalks grow up and devour them. He calls as many of his people in as he can. And, and we find that he wants the answer. Can, can I tell you as I'm setting this up this morning, the world is looking for answers. I've really never been in a time in my life where I literally can hear the leaders of the known world all be saying, um, in essence, the same thing. We don't know. You know, they, they try to take credit the next day. Everybody's an armchair quarterback, right? Uh, but the reality is, who has the answer for the pandemic? You know, they'll, they'll tell you we're working on it, but you know, who has the interpretation of what's going on? They, they just can't find They can't come up with it. They don't know. And so it's in this kind of setting that I just want to read here, and because the first point I want to drive home is power will come quickly, but there's got to be preparation. Power comes quickly, but there's got to be preparation. In Genesis 41, starting at verse 8, it says, In the morning his mind was troubled, talking about Pharaoh. So he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dream, but no one could interpret it for him. Then the chief cupbearer to Pharaoh said, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream that same night, and each dream had a meeting of its own. Now, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned around exactly as he interpreted them to. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. Now, what, what, there's a couple of things happening here. First of all, Pharaoh calls all his mighty magicians and wise men. And that's important because this is not about just him calling in the guys. In, in Egypt, magicians were revered. Egypt historically has always had this supernatural thing that, they've, that they lean on. R remember when you go, when you fast forward now, when we talk about Moses, even when Moses went back in to Egypt, he was having to face Pharaoh's magicians. So this was, this was commonplace in Egypt. He called all of his magicians and seers and tell me what my dream means. He called in all the wise men. Who were the wise men? He called in all the men who were, if you will, to make it relevant for today. He called in all the business leaders. He called in all the major players in the culture to say, guys, you know what's going on. What does this mean? They couldn't tell him. <clears throat> this isn't in my notes, but i got to throw this in there. That's when the cupbearer, who had forgotten Joseph, got convicted. 
It's amazing how conviction will kick in when a problem that's unsolvable is ready to overcome things. There's a problem in the culture, and people start thinking, wow, I got to get right. I, I forgot that I did something that's not right. So he goes to Pharaoh and he says, listen, um, I just read it. Here's what happened. And there's this Hebrew guy. Sort of act like he didn't know him. Because guess how long it's been? Two years. It's been two years. He walked off and left him in prison for two more years without mentioning his name. I don't think he forgot his name. I just don't think he wanted Pharaoh to know he was that stupid. A guy got me out, and I just left him there. But here's what was happening. You know, God's timing is not our timing. The Bible doesn't tell us. Now, I, I, as a man, as, as, as a human being, I, I don't want to put words in, in Joseph's mouth, but I just can't imagine that there weren't moments where he was like, wow, this is not at all how I planned this. This is not at all how I thought things were going to work out. This is not at all what I was expecting. That joker left me in here. Everything I told him, he's serving with the king again. Can I see my lawyer, please? I need to get some things straight. He wasn't after him. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us any of that. that now, our flesh may have risen up. I can't, I, I can't answer for Joseph, but I know, I know what my life is like. I want to be vindicated. I want to be proven innocent. I, I, I want to be free to do, because after all, we all deserve. Joseph wasn't getting any of that. Joseph was constantly, but there was a preparation process. I mean, think about how all this started. God gives him a, a word and a dream. He prematurely shares it with his brothers. They get mad, make a long story short, throw him in a pit. Think about killing him. Some family reunion right there. Think about killing him, end up selling him into slavery. Now, you and I are thinking, poor Joseph, and rightfully so, but when you can know what's going on ahead, you know that God's using that to toughen him up just a little bit. You know, you can't be thrown in a pit and get beat up by your brothers. Anybody the youngest child in here? You know, I'm the oldest child. I made my siblings tough. <laughs> I made them who they are today. Right? My, both my brothers know how to fight because I beat them bad <laughs> until they were 13. Because when they started hitting back, I stopped. Cured everything. Now, now, what am I saying? Life lessons toughen you up. Life lessons, you know, we look back at our life and it makes us who we are. But can I tell you, the good times never really make you anything. It's the tough times that make you. Right? The good times, we want to enjoy them, and that's usually what we do. We do nothing but enjoy them. It's the tough times that start to toughen you up. They stretch you. They make you fight. <clears throat> I heard the story this last week of a, a gentleman. You may have seen this. and He went to Lowe's, and he was picking up some concrete bags, and the guy pulled up and, and was returning a few concrete bags. So he went in, paid for them, and he was just going to take them off the bat back of this guy's truck. So the guy was helping him unload these concrete bags on the back of his truck, and he had his 11-year-old son with him. And one 80-pound one, uh, bag was still in the back of the pickup truck, and he said, son, you grab that. 
with this little 11-year-old boy got up there, and he, he was pulling and scratching at that bag, I mean, for minutes. And the guy started feeling guilty. He was like, you know, sir, I don't mind helping your son. He said, no, please, please, let, let him do it. And he said, moments passed. Now the little kid, he's fallen on the truck a couple times. His knees are skinned up. And he's saying, Daddy, I can't do this. He said, son, you're going to get that bag off the back of this truck. Now, I know we're living in a culture that some of us would have already called child services. And then the man, the man went over and said, sir, I don't mind helping your son. He said, no, listen, you don't understand. I'm trying to teach my son that there are going to be times in his life that he's going to have to fight for everything he's got. There's going to be times where he has to pull the weight even with skint knees. He said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not punishing my child, sir. I'm teaching him a valuable lesson, and thank God it's only an 80-pound bag. Because he said that he stood there and watched that little boy end up pulling that bag all the way to the tailgate, and he got it almost on the tailgate, and Dad said, you're not finished. I want it all on the tailgate. Now, personally, I don't want to go home with that dad. All right? But here's what that little boy did. When he finally got all of that on the tailgate, he jumped up and down. Skint knees didn't matter anymore. Dirty fingernails didn't matter. He jumped up and that jumped into his father's arms because he accomplished something. See, I think for us, sometimes we're praying for God to get us more out of the back of the truck than we are working on getting the bag to the back of the truck. Lord, why have you put me in this situation? God, why are you making me? Go? I'm trying to toughen you up. Now keep pulling. But Lord, it's just not fair. Life is not fair. Keep pulling. But Lord, you don't understand. My knees are all skin up. I'm not making fun of anybody. You will all go through this. It may be something emotionally. It may be an 80-pound bag in the back of a pickup truck. My dad, um, we had a garage, and my dad, when my dad passed away, I'm not exaggerating. You can ask my brothers. He had about 15 tractor trailer loads just full of stuff. Now, today we would call that a hoarder. But, but he would just see something on a job site, and if, if the guy said, yeah, tear the building down, my dad would be like, do you want to keep anything inside? And the guy's like, no, tear it down. Dad would get one of his tractor trailers and pack everything in this building on a truck. Why? We may need it someday. And so he was also the kind of individual that if he was working on something, and when I was a younger man living at home, he would say, Johnny, <clears throat> here's a screw. Go in the garage and find a nut that'll fit that. And I was like, Dad, uh, we don't have a box of nuts in there. There's a thousand nuts in there, but they're scattered everywhere. What do you mean? Well, you go find it. And don't come back without it. Now, now, today, we could have a garage full of nuts and bolts, but we'll run down to Lowe's to get the right one immediately. But here, here's what he taught me. This may sound silly, but here's what he taught me. Because if he said, don't come back without it, he wasn't playing. All right? Um, I would go in that garage that was a mess and nuts and bolts laying everywhere, and I might spend 30, what sometimes seemed like six hours, probably 30 minutes, going from bolt to bolt to bolt. But you, you, know what it, you know what it made me do? 
This might sound silly. I can look at nuts and bolts in a chair right there and tell you which ones fit and which ones don't. I can. I, I can look at things and yeah, I, just give me those two right there. You know, it's sort of like a MacGyver thing. Duct tape and a stick and we could build an airplane. Now, I, I'm saying that. That doesn't happen naturally for a lot of people. Here's how that happens. Go find that. But, but Lord, I, I, you know, I, I want to be greatly used of you, so if you'll just give me the path, I'll run in it. Yeah, but we've got to teach you how to run first. So here's a little bit of weight. Because before you can uh, lay, lay down that sin and the weight that so easily uh, besets you, you've got to start carrying some weight so you'll know how to run a little bit. You, you've got to start feeling some pressure. Why? Because you've not felt pressure yet. And see, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hope that you have a miserable week. But when you learn what I'm talking about, and you, how many know what a callus is? I, I told my wife when, when we were younger, um, I'm, too many stories about me this morning, I'll finish in just a minute. We visited a family's house, and the first time I've ever been into a house, and the guy had his own punching bag downstairs. Canvas punching bag. Well, you know what you don't do on a canvas punching bag? You don't use bare knuckles. But I sat down there, and I punched that bag until I realized I had no more skin on my knuckles. Now, here's, I learned a very important lesson right there. Don't ever punch that bag again without gloves on. Okay, pastor that. That's brilliance. Um, here's, what, here's what happens sometimes. God wants you to cross paths with a few punching bags. So you'll start learning a little bit. Because guess what's never happened since? I still have skin. I mean, I, I've learned something. Why? Because you're going to face battles next week. And now you know to put gloves on. Or, or you're going to face pressure next week. But now you know I'm, I'm going to face it this way. One, one of the, uh, one of, a, a wonderful professor at Regent University, a close friend of mine, really helped me through my doctoral process. He has a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And I said, why did you, what made you do that? Why did you even take the time to do that? He said, well, it wasn't that I was trying to get a black belt. It's not like I'm going to go MMA. He said, but I found it incredibly important that if I practice those disciplines to get through that, they, they match over into my spiritual disciplines powerfully. And he says, here's the thing. Sometimes in your spiritual disciplines, we just go about it half-heartedly. But when you're going through the discipline of Jiu-Jitsu, you feel it. And you know how important it is. And you know why it's important that it, if, a, if a guy throws a certain bar in, you better, you better get another grip on that quick or you're in trouble. He said, the same thing applies to my spiritual life. When certain things start to happen, I've experienced that pain before. I will not experience that pain again, and I react. Discipline. So God is building some strength in Joseph. You understand that? He, he gets, now he's bought into slavery, and, and he's bought by Potiphar. He's in Potiphar's house. He begins to expand a little bit his, his incredible ingenuity, his skills, must have been an incredible administrator because the bottom line is he's running the master's house. I know you know the story. He's lied on, betrayed, 
thrown into prison. But what's happening all along? The Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. Through every punching bag, through every lie, through every pit, through every betrayal, the Lord was with him. Well, pastor, if the Lord really cares about us, won't he just take those things and and help us to avoid them? No, because you won't grow. You you don't grow. Now, it does. Listen, true confessions. I've got grandbabies now. When I see my daughter and my husband helping them try to learn a lesson, I want to swoop in because I want to rescue that little baby. Because there's a part of me, she's never going to experience that kind of pain. But you know what I'm doing if I do that? I'm crippling her. You know, it's, it's when I look at my daughter, how strong my daughter is. She didn't get that way because we treated her like a little princess. Her feet are never going to touch the ground. She would never learn how to walk if we carried her. She would never learn how to, you know... What blew our minds is when she was 16 years old, she just walked in the house, came back from a a Christian conference, and walked in the house and said, Mom and Dad, um, I want to go on a mission trip. And we were like, well, well, I've already signed up. And and I'm I'm already raising my own money, and I'm going to England on a mission trip. And I was like, "Uh, okay. Okay. She walked in while she was in college and said, Mom and Dad, I'm thinking about doing a, a study abroad program to Uganda for a semester. And I was like, um, let's talk about this. Let's at least get my permission. Oh, I've already signed up for it. You know, and it wasn't that she was rebellious at all. She wasn't acting out of rebellion. We had built in her this determination that if I see something and I know God is speaking to me, let's do this. What are we waiting on? Let's go. Even in her dating, sort of got us a little concerned because she had her standards so high. Believe it or not, I was like, listen, just. Um, lower, you know, just like lower. You know, he doesn't have to have all his teeth. Just lower, lower him a little bit. At least go on a date or so. She said, no, because I know, I, I already, I've already prayed. I know when I see them. She didn't say it like that. Because her and Brian didn't date that long. But they were both out of that same mold. Can I tell you that when God's working on you, it's not that things have to happen fast, but you'll be surprised at how fast things start to happen. Because when God's been developing you, you don't even know it sometimes. You just think you're going through hard times. Um, Nobody knows. Man, I'm struggling. Man, I'm, I'm just struggling, I'm just struggling. But you wake up one day and you walk out of the same house, going to the same job, but you've been struggling now, but you're pulling more weight than you've ever pulled before. You're, now you get to work and somehow the, the boss is like, listen, man, I know you've been struggling, but you know you've been getting more done than you can. I, I'm giving you a promotion. Now here's how it doesn't happen. Are you ready? You really want to hear this? Here's how it doesn't happen. I'm going to quit because they're not even giving me a chance for a promotion because you, you work like you want to quit. You work like, or you don't work. And, and you're just like, man, I, I'm just, Lord, if you really love me, you'd give me a great job. No, he's doing his part. Are you doing your part? 
He's doing your part. Would you be willing to step up and do? Now, this is easy to preach because I don't feel the pain right now, but I have. I know what I'm talking about. I I try to talk to students about this a lot because every student feels the same thing, and I have felt it too. There's always that class or those two or three classes, especially in your undergrad, that you're thinking, I don't need this class. I'm never going to use this class ever. It was English. (laughs) It was a writing class, right? I'm never going to write ever. I'm never going to read another book anyway, right? We're thinking that, and and here's the problem. Um, Somehow we get through the class, but the class hasn't got through us. And then we have a piece of paper that says we know what we're doing, and we don't. Now, please, I I don't mean that to make anybody feel bad. Because we've all, you don't have to raise your hands, but we've all felt that way about something. Lord, just get me through this. That's never what you want to hear your surgeon say. All right? You don't ever want your surgeon to say, Lord, I didn't study. But please bring it to my remembrance. Where's that gallbladder? You don't ever want to hear that. You want to know that you are with someone who has studied to show themselves approved, who, yeah, they're depending on the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in their life, but you also know that they have worked hard to be where they are. We all have bad days, but God was preparing Joseph. I've got to hurry, don't I? God was preparing Joseph. Why? Because when power comes on you quickly, when you are powerfully moving forward, when you suddenly have authority, it's because you've been preparing for it. God has been preparing. God's timing is not your timing, but stuff that you're going through is preparing you for something greater. Stuff that you and I go through, they're preparing us for something greater. Even when we cause it. You may have caused your own pressure. But God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. What's the second thing, very quickly? The second thing that we see in Joseph's life, not only was there a a place where he had to understand there's preparation, but what we also see is power will come quickly because there's a problem to be dealt with. There's a problem to be dealt with. You see, Joseph's problem wasn't prison. Joseph's problem was not trying to get out of prison. That really wasn't the problem because God already had a plan. The, The problem was that the leader of the world at that time in Egypt had a bad night. And he was trying to find the answer. He was trying to find the answer. He called in all his leaders and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't find the answer. The cupbearer says, I know this guy. Here's what he did when I was in jail. And it happened. Just maybe. Listen to the word of God here. In verse 14, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard that, that you, when you heard a dream, you can interpret it. <laughs> you, know what, you know what he's saying there? I heard you've been training. I heard you have a resume. I heard you have experienced this before. I've got this problem, and I heard you dealt with it and hit a home run. 
Now, see, to, to some of us, that's like, well, that's Joseph. He was a, you know, he was a professional. He's in the Bible. Um, no, that's you and I. I. Personally, I thank God that my life is not like Joseph's. Beaten up by your family, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, lied on, cheated on, um, walked away and left for, for dead in a prison. Thank God my life's not like Joseph. But I, I tell you what happens when you prepare. Uh, you may not be in the limelight at all because really the first thing that we need to get in our spirit is this is not about you and I getting to a palace. Sometimes this is preached from the pit to the palace and we all get a little shout happy because we can't wait to be the vice president. We can't wait to be in a palace. This is not about you and I having our needs met. This is how God will use you to impact the world if you'll simply surrender to him. Because when it's about serving others, you'll be surprised where you end up. You'll be surprised at how God uses you. Because what is Joseph's response to Pharaoh? He says, I can't. I can't do this. I cannot do it, Joseph replied. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. He said the same thing to the cupbearer and the baker. I can't. I can't do this, but God, God can. Why? Because he was immediately giving God the credit, not just, not just in a blasé, because we have to sound spiritual. Um, which, which, by the way, false humility is just that, false. Um, if somebody ever says, good job, say thank you. That's all you have to say. If you want to throw in there, hey, God empowers me. That's good. Give God the praise. It's when you start saying, somebody says, good job. Well, it was all God. It would have been a lot better if it was all God. You were involved. So it wasn't, it wasn't like perfect. It was that you did it, and you, with God's hand on your life, did an awesome job. Am I making sense? Because I, I had to work through this. When I was in college, I had an incredible professor, and he would come up to me and say, hey, John, it, incredible job last night. And I would say, well, you know, it's just, just all the Lord. And he would stop me, and he'd say, John, just say thank you. Just say thank you. You had to do your part, and God did his part. Just say thank you. Because you know, false humility turns into pride. It's all God. No because you didn't do that great. If it was all God, it would have been perfect. He wouldn't have needed you. But God wants to use us. Anybody, anybody's feelings hurt yet? <laughs> now, here's, here, here's what's important about this point. Joseph was sort of pushed into a situation, pushed on the stage of life that he never planned for, he never asked for, he never even saw coming. He had these two dreams, uh, you know, Maybe 15 years earlier, 14 years earlier, 16 years earlier. Now he's 30 years old. He's been in jail most of that time. Lied on, had a few glimpses of glory when he was over the household of Potiphar. But other than that, life's pretty much been stinky. But what he didn't see was that God was preparing him the whole time. Because when you're pushed out on that kind of a stage, you better know where the answer comes from. 
he was prepared because he saw a situation. Because there's a pattern here, and I'm not trying to make a pattern out of this. <clears throat> Joseph had two dreams. The cupbearer and, and the baker both had dreams. Two, two, and guess what Pharaoh had? Two dreams. Joseph's got to be thinking, I've seen this before. God's given me the answer to those cup. I can't, but God can. Tell me about it. Um, when you're pushed on the stage, now you and I may never be pushed into a situation where we're standing before the president. You and I may never be pushed in, into a situation where we're standing before the owner of the business and he's saying, I don't have the answers, but I, I heard you've worked on something like this before. What's the answer? Uh, anybody ever feel a little bit stressed? <clears throat> I've, never, I've never told Dr. Bucci this before, but uh, when I was defending my, my doctoral dissertation, Dr. Bucci attended. There were several. The, the um, committee was there and a few other friends, and, and, um, and he'll tell you. When I walked in the room, I was a dishrag. I was soaking wet. Nothing had seemed to work that morning. I was saturated. I, I mean, I'm soaking wet now. I mean, I was wet. I'm, I was sitting up there just wiping the sweat off trying to answer questions. And, and why? Because I was standing in front of very smart people trying to tell them something. Trying to, trying to, trying to tell them something that I've done. Incredibly intimidating. It'll make you sweat. It made me sweat. I can't imagine how Joseph felt. Um, go get cleaned up. Go stand in front of Pharaoh and answer the question. I can't. I wish I'd had that line during the dissertation. Now, I can't defend this dissertation, but God can. <laughs> if it doesn't work, we'll blame it on God. Here's, here's, here's what happens here. What we understand and how this applies to us is, guys, you're, you're already, some of you are already on the stage that God wants you to be speaking on. You already have the answers for some of the things you're facing right now. You're, you've already suffered through some things that you could speak to people's lives right now and be a blessing, but sometimes we don't think we have the answer. Sometimes we don't think we really know what's going on. There's problems. There's a pandemic. I know we're, sort of t we're so tired of hearing about the pandemic, we just are trying to just get through it, right? I'm telling you we can thrive through it, and I don't mean just about money. I mean about helping people in ways we never thought imaginable. But we've got to be able to see the problem, because if there's a problem, power rises up quick. People who have been preparing, people who have been studying, people who have been walking it out. And I'm not talking about just talking about doing things. I'm talking about getting out and getting your hands dirty and doing something. If you know somebody's got an issue, go help them. Go walk with them. Racial reconciliation. Can I talk about that for two minutes? Uh, how do you fix that? The world's got a lot of different answers. But can I tell you, I can't answer that, but God can how, Pastor? Well, please tell us. We'd like to get this fixed. Um, I wonder what it would be like, and I'm, I am preaching on this next Sunday. We're doing a stand-alone Sunday because we're doing communion next week. 
What does it look like when we're all one? Jesus prayed that, that we would be one. Make us one. What does that look like? That means, quite honestly, that I... Now, here's, here's the rub. Our culture says we have to care about the color of our skin. Um, this is going to come out wrong. You ready? It's just going to come out wrong. I'm, I'm just telling you it's going to come out wrong. Um, it doesn't matter what color our skin is. See, we've, we've, got the, we've got the narrative twisted in our culture now where we demand that the color of our skin be the difference. Uh, I, Martin Luther King said it himself. Don't judge me by the color of my skin, but by the content of my character. Now listen, he wasn't saying that color doesn't matter, but what he was saying is heart matters more. This is where we become one, not here. This is where we become one. And see, when we start, when we start understanding, well, how does that play out on a national scale? Here's how that plays out on a national scale. It starts playing out here first. When you and I can love each other, and then we take it out of the, the four walls of the building and we love our neighbors as ourselves, because we already are supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And now we start loving our neighbors as ourselves. We love our family as ourselves. We love people of color in our neighborhoods by the love of God. We love them like we love ourselves. And, and then what happens? Well, we, we might make it on the news. Here's one neighborhood that gets along. They like each other here. And, and, and they seem to all have different color skin. Oh, my God. That doesn't make sense. I'm not trying to be sarcastic, and I'm not trying to be silly. But we live in a culture that doesn't want that to happen. They don't want that to happen. You see, the, the answer we have is not necessary. Believe me, all the magicians on the stage with Joseph were hoping he would fail. They would lose their job. Um, we find that the, the problem with problems is sometimes nobody wants them to really be solved. Now, I can't get on my political soapbox this morning, but listen to me very carefully. A lot of the junk that you see on television with all the politicians that we need to be praying for, I'm saying that right to the camera. <laughs> um, but listen... Almost every politician I listen to, listen to, they really don't want to fix the problem. They just want you to believe it to get them in. The, the problems are never really going to be fixed because too many narratives are trying to be walked out. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying be the answer on the stage where you are. What stage has God put you on? What, what, where are you at work? Well, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just the employee. Then be the best one. Be the one they can't do without. Because listen to what Pharaoh said about Joseph. I'm, I'm not, you don't even have to find this. Because <clears throat> I don't know where in the scripture it is, and I'm not going to find it on my notes right now. He says, listen, this guy just interpreted my dreams. Tell me, can we find anyone like this in whom the Spirit of God is? Here's what he's saying. I can't do this without him. What if your boss at work says, I can't do this without him? Uh, what, what if our schools, I, we, can't, 
We can't teach this. We can't do this unless he's here. Well, pastor, everyone's expendable. I just wonder what life would be like if we started stepping up to the plate on the stage God has given us and working and living in such a way that they wouldn't want to do life without us, that we had such an influence in their lives. You may never be their boss, but I'm telling you, you don't have to be the boss to have influence. You don't have to be the president of the company to have influence. You, you may, you know, Pharaoh took Joseph and he said, listen, put a ring on his finger, put a robe on his back, put him in the, the hottest chariot of the day. And he says, I'm Pharaoh, but, but other than that, he's the man. Well, they may never say that about you and I, but have you ever been someplace where you know who the boss is, but you know who's running the place? Most families, you know. The husband thinks he's the boss, but the wife's running the place, all right? Now, so here's, here's the bottom line. What if you lived your life in such a way that they couldn't do it without you? Um, you're the kind of student. You're the kind of friend. You're the kind of parent. You're the kind of son, the kind of daughter, the kind of servant of the king that when they see you coming, they know that you're prepared and that you have the answer. Because the last thing is, that answer is for eternity. Power comes quickly when you understand that the answer that we have is for eternity. Now, what it meant for Joseph, very quickly, and Ingrid, if you'll please come. <clears throat> what that meant for, for Joseph was this, because he, he went ahead and told Pharaoh, here's, here's how to take care of this. Here's the answer. Start getting leadership together and start setting aside 5%. And over the next seven years, those seven fat cows and those seven heads of grain, they represent seven years of plenty. So start setting aside for the next seven years. And, and go around to every district and just start. And he just gave them a blueprint right there. The Bible doesn't tell us it took six months. I don't know. It may have taken several months. We don't know. But what we do know is he gave them the answer. He says, set this aside, proportionately set things aside for seven years. That way, at the end of those seven years, when there's a seven year of famine and nothingness, we've got, we've got reserves. And Pharaoh was like, done deal. He's hired. He's second command. Whatever he says. Now, if you're thinking, yeah, but, but pastor, that was just for, what, 14 years. What do you mean? Well, and we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. What does it really mean? Because in order for him to give seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine, when the famine hit, guess who came to town? His family. Which, you fast forward into history, represent the 12 tribes. They are the 12 tribes of Israel. His actions that day kept the 12 tribes of Israel alive moving forward to eventually we'll get 300 years ahead and they will have forgotten about Joseph. They're now slaves in Egypt, but that's when Moses comes on the scene. Now, I'm saying that because we can see how that without Joseph doing what he did, you and I wouldn't be meeting this morning. You and I wouldn't even be here this morning without Joseph. What does that say for us right now? Jesus said this in Matthew 28. He's resurrected. He's meeting with the disciples, and he says this. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them everything I've done. Well, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then in Acts chapter 1 and 8, he said, but you will receive power, authority, strength. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You're going to receive authority because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you will be what? You'll be my witnesses. Right here in Jerusalem, on your, on your personal stage, but then in Samaria, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. What is he saying? Go and witness that you have the answer, Jesus. Go and tell the story. Matthew 28 doesn't say go and convince somebody to become a disciple. He said make disciples. Now that's not strong arming, by the way. You will serve Jesus. I wish, I wish that would happen like that occasionally. But here's what that means. Making disciples, what does that look like? Loving people where they are. Walking with people with what they're walking through. Let them ask the hard questions. Because don't be afraid to say, I can't answer that. But I know a man who can. His name is Jesus. I think, God, let, let's, let's search for this. Why? Because we have power to, to quickly move into places through the power of the Holy Spirit with eternal answers to people that, that we're right around right now. Am I making sense? Power to rise. Power to help people find life. Power in the middle of a pandemic that can turn lives around. That instead of looking back, oh, that was the worst year of the, the entire... I can't wait for 2020 to be over. I can't wait to see what God's still going to do in 2020. Um, you know, listen, I'm not trying to be a, um, you know, convince you to be bubbly when things are really tough. I know things are tough. But man, listen, if Joseph was sitting in the prison, he was, he was one problem away from getting called to Pharaoh. You, you might be one problem away from being the answer to somebody's life. You just, just stay faithful where you are. Let God continue to teach you and train you and provide and do his work in you. He who began a good work in us will complete it because you, you might be one phone call away, one conversation away, one ride away, one lunch away from somebody saying, I don't know what this means. Boom. And see, because you've been through a bad time, you already know the answer to their bad time. Am I making sense? Let's stand. If we can, um, here's how I want us to close today. <clears throat> Just and, and I know we're typically already sitting with family that we're used to sitting with or we're, we're comfortable being close to. Would you mind just reaching over and taking the hand of the person next to you? Because here, here's how I want us to pray. You may not exactly know what they're going through. You don't know what prison they may be in. You don't know what circumstances they may be in. But you know what you've been through. Would it be okay this morning if I prayed and as we close in prayer that, that we just pray for God however he's been using and however he wants to use us? That whatever his desires, if, if it's a quick rise or if it's staying on the same stage, whatever it is, 
for his Holy Spirit and his power to move through us like it's never moved before. Just a fresh move, a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit that even in a negative situation, the prison would come alive. <laughs> that, that even in a negative work environment, all of a sudden the, the, this, this haze would be lifted and even on a Monday morning, everybody's smiling. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, in, in, in all honesty, Lord, this isn't about just getting people to smile. Eternity is at stake. Lord, we, we plead this morning. Breathe on us afresh. Lord, we turn our eyes upon you. We, we truly look to you. We don't understand sometimes what we're going through. We don't understand sometimes the weight. We don't understand the pain at times. But God, you're preparing us for something. And although there are times we're saying, please hurry up. You're saying, peace, patience. The work I'm doing in you is going to be the answer for somebody else. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to empower us. Lord, for some this afternoon when they go home, family environment, family situations, God, I pray that, that they see Jesus in our lives. Lord, tomorrow at work, Father, we just pray that they see Jesus like never before. But it's because, Holy Spirit, you are working in us and through us like never before. We surrender to you, Lord. Cleanse us. Forgive us of our sins. Wash us. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to flow through us like a river. And Lord, I just pray that, that for the individuals here this morning, that right now they are, they're, they're struggling with some things. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, the struggle will make them stronger. Now, Lord, use us this day. As we leave this church, as we leave this building, Lord, use us as the body of Christ. Let us be a light that shines bright. Lord, I pray that you use teachers, moms and dads, touch students, touch young people, touch teenagers, touch marriages, God, touch families, our seniors. Lord, just breathe through our congregation, wherever they are. Breathe through churches. Breathe through communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.